Um, we're going to be looking this morning at um, Psalm 84, and y'all stand when you read the scriptures. Is that, is that correct? Is that a normal practice sometimes? Well, we'll do it this morning. We'll do it this morning. Please stand for the reading of God's holy and inspired word, Psalm 84. To the choir master, according to the Gatith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord of hosts blesses the one who trusts in you. The grass withers, the flower fades but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let's go to him in prayer. Uh, Father, we do come to you. You are righteousness. You are the God who has created all things, who sustains all things, who has come as our rescuer to rescue us through your son, Jesus Christ, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins that we who once were not a people can be the people of God can be your children, can cry out, Abba, Father. And so, Father, this morning, we do come to you in expectation that you, by your Holy Spirit, will work in and through your word to make us a people after yourself, to draw us to you, to teach us, to grow us. And we pray that you would do that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so are there any deadheads in here? Um, you, many of you know, the, the Grateful Dead were one of the, um, uh, I'm going to say, I don't, I don't listen to the music that much. But in history, I think they're probably one of the, the greatest bands that have um, uh, performed um, in this country and around the world. And they had an unusual following, Right. Uh, something unique happened as the Grateful Dead would go around the country and perform is, is people began to um, pilgrimage to their concerts and they would follow them from city to city and they created their own little culture. It wasn't a healthy culture, but they created their own culture and even um, created their own lingo with each other as they went from place to place. The people of God, the people of, of Israel, in a similar way, in pilgrimaging, 
would gather together, particularly three different times of the year, and they would go to Jerusalem to worship. And they would meet there in a large gathering to participate in these feasts. And there were three major feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or Passover, the Feast of Harvest, or Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering, or Feast of Booths, or Tabernacles. And so they would, they would, they would travel, bring, take their families, and go to Jerusalem. This psalm is a song for sojourners who long for the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, for these feasts of Israel, for this worship of their God. It's, it's a song for us because we are sojourners in a strange land. We are sojourners in a broken world. We long for a new heaven, a new earth. We long for the, the wrong to be made right, for healing of people and the land. And it's a song for the singing today while we wait for the promised land that has been promised to us by God Himself through Christ. Now, we're going to look at three things um, that this psalm reveals about the Israelites and also us and the God we serve. The first point is starving for His presence. The second is satisfied in his strength. And the third, secure in our station. Starving for his presence, satisfied in his strength, secure in our station. Let's look first at starving for his presence. And look back with me at verses 1 to 4 of this psalm again. It starts out saying, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. My dad has a beautiful, white, uh, late 1800s farmhouse on about 400 acres in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. And uh, my wife and I, my siblings and our kids love to go there Christmas or the summer and spend time on the farm. We, we soak in the quiet and crisp air, we fish in the pond, we hunt in the woods. In the summer, we pick gallons and gallons of, of berries just right around this house. It's a beautiful place of rest. But the farm wouldn't be the same without my dad there. It's an extension of him. Uh, in the past couple of years, I've, I've taken my camera and just taken pictures of the spaces in his house, and they, they speak of my father. <laughs> my father is a, was a black bear biologist, and he's got skulls and skins and stuff all, in all these cabins in his house, and it just, just speaks of him, and it would not be the same without him. So when Israel came into Jerusalem, I'm sure... They enjoyed seeing friends, even as they're caravanning together to get there. And when they showed up to see families and catching up on news and births and stories, I'm sure they, they laughed at the telling of, of uh, what's happened over the past quarter year uh, with the other people that were there. But what they really longed for was the centerpiece of the gathering, the purpose of the gathering. And it was communion with God in worship. And more specifically, this satisfaction that they longed for that only comes from God 
and more specifically comes from his covenantal love. In verse 3, the writer describes him as, O Lord, Yahweh of hosts, my King and my God. It's that covenantal name. And the altar gave evidence of the refrain that God's people hear again and again, I will be your God and you will be my people. He will be their God as they gather together, as they pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate His kindness to them. And that altar is proof of that covenantal love. It's where not only their sins were atoned, but where the world would be reconciled and made new. It was at the altar that we read the sparrow and the swallow find satisfaction, find rest. It reminds me of Romans 8 where Paul makes this covenant connection between the work of Christ and all of creation. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Because of the fallenness of mankind, uh, God um, cursed the world to make it... um, Uh, difficult to work, difficult to till, but that's going to be redeemed. And the sparrow and the swallow find a nesting place at the altar of God. There's this looking forward to what will be. In God, all things will be made right. And it's in this regular gathering of God's people in the house He's established called the church that we too meet with God and Jesus to find His presence. We, we sojourn, right? And then pilgrimage to come here to be with Him. We come in minivan or truck or maybe through the internet to gather together, to be a people of His possession. We come together not for this building, not even primarily to be with each other, and there's a sweetness to that, certainly, but for His promised presence that will speak to us again and again and again of His covenant love for us. I mean, think about it. This, we go out throughout the week, and we might read the Bible, maybe you read it every day, maybe you pray, maybe you sing a, sing a psalm or a hymn, and you're encouraged, maybe you listen to a podcast. But think what happens on this day that God has... Has, has blessed, it called a Sabbath day. We get a sprinkling of, of, of water on us throughout the week, right? Those means of His grace, His Bible and prayer and songs and fellowship with one another. But this day, we get it all. <laughs> it's like standing under a waterfall where He pours out His means of grace upon us. The preached word, the sung word, the prayed word, the, the sacraments. Here, together, as we pilgrimage to be, yes, with each other, but primarily in His presence, because we know of God's covenant love for us. And we need to hear it again and again and again, because we lose sight of it so easily. The Bob White Quail is one of my favorite game birds. And if you know Bob White Quail, often they sit in coveys, of a covey of quail, a group of quail, and when they are in these coveys, they sit with um, their, their, their pointed outwards, their tails together pointed outwards. So when you're walking through the woods and you flush a covey of quail, one, your heart explodes because it scares you to death, but these quail fly everywhere, just burst out because they're ready, right? 
They move out. And then if you listen, you'll begin to hear this. And it's a covey call. They begin to call each other back in and gather back. It's how they, they reconnect again to get into their covey. God covey calls us to come be in His presence with each other. Where we hear of the Lord's protection and His kindness and His favor and we, we speak it to each other and hear it from each other and pray for it for each other coming back into His presence. We're a restless people. We're anxious and we're worried and we scurry about all week with an insatiable appetite for some sort of satisfaction. But God's the one who calls us in to find satisfaction in Him. What are you longing for this morning? Are you lonely? Do you long for, for camaraderie, for friendship? Are you thirsty for, for purpose in life? Are you tired and worn out of the world's struggles? Are you tired of looking at social media and just hearing argument after argument after argument? Are you in a place where your career is just dull and boring, doesn't excite you anymore? How's your marriage relationship? How's the parenting and, and children? It's hard, right? We look at all these different areas of our lives and we struggle deeply, and yet God calls us back that we might be satisfied in the midst of our struggles in Him alone. The things you truly long for, Jesus knows. Jesus knows your longings, your deepest longings, and He's the only one who can satisfy you, truly, deeply satisfy you. I met with a friend, um, an unbeliever, a couple of weeks ago, and he came to me and, and, and said, Corey, I, I lack joy. I don't have joy. And he was reading Dalai Lama, he was reading the self-help books, and as the conversation went on, I said, you're not going to find joy through the things you're looking in or for, the things you're looking for. He's gone to church all of his life, but hasn't heard the gospel, <laughs> hasn't heard that only Jesus can give us the deepest joy in the midst of life's struggles. So God draws us back week after week to Himself to remind us of that reality. So this first stanza of this psalm, right, reveals the starving for His presence as the people head toward Jerusalem. Second, satisfied in His strength. Look at verses 5 to 8. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca and they make it a place of springs, the early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. This highway to Zion went through this valley called the valley of Baca. Literally, it's called the valley of weeping. And some commentators have described this valley as, as filled with these balsam trees that literally weep a sap from their bark. Very wet tree. And the, and the writer here of the psalm, I believe, wants us to make the connection between the trees that weep and the Israelites weeping in hardships as they make their journey towards Jerusalem. They have the weight of the world upon them. 
See, I'm sure that the, the gathering of Israel to these feasts was not all laughing and storytelling. There'd be sadness. There'd be children who died in utero, or grandparents who are now gone, or those suffering from sickness. You would have the poor with them. You would have the lame. The good news is, it's a valley of weeping. It's not a cul-de-sac. It doesn't end. It's not a dead end. The water of tears will be turned into early rain in pools, the text says. The early rain marked the beginning of the rainy season when new crops were to be planted. In other words, there's fruit on the horizon. It's like spring here. I was driving in and seeing gardens that have been plowed, and now you can see the beans starting to come up. The early rain is producing fruit, and their weeping is momentary. Is momentary. Your weeping is momentary. My weeping is momentary. It reminds us of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a valley, right? I'll fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Prior to that in Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I, w- I shall not want or I shall not lack anything, Right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He lies, lies me down beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. So knowing that they're on pilgrimage to meet with God who strengthens their faith, verse 7 says they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. They, they're weeping. They're going through this valley of weeping, but there's something at the end. There's going to be fruitfulness. So they go from strength to strength. And I love that last phrase of verse 7. Each one appears before God in Zion. No one is left in their sorrow. He's personal, right? No one is forgotten. No one is overlooked. He knows our sorrows. He knows our sufferings and hardships. C.S. Lewis wrote that our need for God is revealed in our growing awareness that our whole being by its very nature is one vast need, incomplete, preparatory, empty yet cluttered, crying out for Him who can untie things that are now knotted together and tie up things that are still dangling loose. Entering into worship is finding God as our ultimate comfort. Not friends, not family, not alcohol, not porn, not shopping, not eating, not Georgia football, only God Himself. Only God Himself satisfies the hungry soul, satisfies our deepest longings. I went through a, a difficult time in a, in a pastorate several years ago um, to the point where I, I was just, I was shot. I realized I wasn't pushing into relationships anymore, and I was, it was a strange, hard season, and I ended up resigning from that call. And I had several people ask me, are you going to take a break from going to church for a while? That's like saying, are you going to stop eating for a while? <laughs> stop. I mean, I would go to other churches and sit and just weep, hearing somebody else preach Jesus to my heart, to find God as still my Savior, still my comfort. When I was at my end, I felt I was at my end, going through the valley of weeping, yet hearing again the good news of Jesus for me. We need that. We need to see this. 
What's your sadness this morning? Some of you may be reminded of loved ones that have departed. Others of you may have lost a child or long to have children and ache when you see other people with children. Maybe you long to be married and aren't. You may feel as if God has abandoned you. Maybe you're fearing your health or another's health or you suffer from depression. These sadnesses are real, right? And they're really felt. They're really deep. But when you cry out to Him, He can untie what's knotted together and will tie up the things that are dangling loose. (laughs) Christ can untie your hurts and will tie together your losses into great victories of His grace and kindness. If not in this life, then if you're in Jesus Christ, in the next when all things will be made new, right? This is momentary affliction. So when you pilgrimage to worship, you can go from strength to strength knowing that God is going to meet with you. Do you come here with expectation of God is going to meet with me today? He's going to reveal more of His goodness to me today. Do you come with expectation? Without Him... Suffering just doesn't make sense. But in Him, our suffering will become undone. And it makes complete sense in a broken and fallen world. Starving for His presence, satisfied in His strength, secure in our station. Look at verses 9 to 12. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God then dwell in the tents of wickedness. I mean, hear that. Because in, in the tents of wickedness, where we don't know Jesus, we don't have such hope. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. See, when you find Jesus as your ultimate satisfaction and strength, then your status, your position, your place your circumstance, all fade in comparison to him. Speaking of his enemies, David writes in Psalm 73, they scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. This is the enemies of David, right? In verse 17 he concludes, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. When I came into the place of His grace and mercy, then I understood, well, their end will come. Justice will be served. Yes, we suffer now, but justice is coming. Reward is coming. I have a friend who any time they drove the long, long bridges of Florida when he was really little, I mean, you can almost only see water in some of those bridges. His mom would make him put on a life jacket in the car to protect him. Oh, I know. Isn't that sweet? Uh, <laughs> that jacket served as a, as a shield from the potential dangerous waters below, right? A shield serves as a mediatorial function. It, like a life jacket is a protection from the tumultuous waters... So the shield functions as a go-between. It stands between you and whatever's coming at you, be it nerf darts or javelins, right? It's a protection. When we know that our shield is Jesus, 
then our defense against the stormy blast or onslaught of arrows is okay because we're protected. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Right? Now, some of your minds just went to your imperfections. Because I said, that verse says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And you may go, oh, I'm not walking uprightly. Got to be careful. That's the stormy blast. That's the arrow of the one who sits on the throne of lies and tries to convince you who are in Christ that you're not good enough, that he doesn't love you, that he doesn't care about you. Be careful. Your, your righteousness is Christ's righteousness on your behalf. It's not your own righteousness. What if... You were as secure today as you'll ever be. What if with all of your sins and shame and doubts and lack of assurance and fears, that because of Christ's righteousness on your behalf, you are as loved right now as you will ever be? That's the shield of the anointed one who's been poured out for you. That's the shield. It's him. John 10, 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's the shield. It's Jesus. Romans 8, 39, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. We're going to sing a hymn in a few minutes. Jesus, I my cross have taken. And there's this one stanza that says this. Go then, earthly fame and treasure. Come, disaster, scorn, and pain. In thy service, pain is pleasure. With thy favor, loss is gain. I have called thee, Abba, Father. I have stayed my heart on thee. Storms may howl and clouds may gather. All must work for good to me. You hear what he's saying? You know, in the vernacular, he's saying because of who Jesus is and what he's done and is in doing, bring it. Or in the words of Pat Benatar, hit me with your best shot. Come on. I used, to, I used to sing that verse and go, man, I can't sing that. Go then, earthly fame and treasure, come disaster, scorn and pain. You see, outside of the light of who God is for us, that's really hard to sing. But when we know that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ, you go, what have I got to lose? That passage, that verse, and that, that hymn makes more sense. Let me end with this. There's a future hope in here. We're exiles, right? We're, we are sojourners longing for a true home, an eternal home. Just as Israel longed for the land flowing with milk and honey, we long to be at the eternal feast with Jesus on Jordan's stormy banks, we stand and cast a wishful eye. We're looking toward Canaan, right? The promised land. We're looking toward when all things will be made new. Exodus chapter 6, verse 4 says, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. That's the promise. 
Now think about these three different feasts, these festivals where they would pilgrimage to go and to, to be with their God. Feast of Passover. Remember that? Remember Passover? Celebration of Passover when, when the uh, Israelites were told to go into their houses under the slavery of Egypt and they're to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over and they'd be, they'd be uh, free from death, right? John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. John 1, 29, the next day you saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Feast of Passover. Revelation 21, 23, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The Lamb. Jesus is our Passover Lamb. We come to feast on Him each Sunday. The Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost is an in-gathering, right? Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. No matter who you are, what nationality, ethnicity, poor, rich, woman, man, child, what you've done, your guilt and shame you carry, it's not too big for Jesus. Jesus is your in-gathering. He is your in-gathering. He is the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. It's a, it's a remembrance of God's provision in the wilderness wanderings. Or they, they set up these tents to remember of God's provision for them. Exodus 16, verses 11 to 12. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord Yahweh, covenant-keeping God, your God. Jesus is the provision in our wilderness. He's the provision in our wilderness. Nothing will separate us from Him. Starting for His presence, satisfied in His strength, secure in our station. Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh, how easily I forget, how, e how easily we all forget of the, the, the grand picture of the whole of your salvation on our behalf. Uh, forgive us for our um, pathetic memories or pathetic hearts that run to other satisfactions, to other places to find our joy, to find our, our hope, um, to, uh, to try to rescue us from our hardships and sufferings. Father, would you lead us back by the hand to yourself in Jesus Christ, who is our shield, who is our defender, who is our protector, and nothing Nothing can separate us from the love that you have displayed through Jesus to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.